Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. It's certainly eventful time right now in the National Football League as the calendar turns to December, and it's when sometimes you can start to tell, Mike, which coaches are going to be around to coach their team next year and which teams right now start to look at other coaching candidates. We're going to discuss which coaches are in the hot seat, some of the biggest matchups of the weekend, what's going on in the Pats offense, and also the biggest news, of course, for me, is you saw The Irishman, as many of you did, because it's now available on Netflix. I, of course, had the pleasure of seeing it a couple months ago. So I don't know what you thought of it. I cannot wait to dive into it. Let's talk football, though, first my friend we start off with of course the big game of the weekend i mean this felt like a heavyweight matchup right 49ers taking on the ravens and lamar jackson and company win it jackson weathering miserable conditions he ran for 101 yards he was 14 at 23 for 105 did lose a fumble the niners lose but they're now 10 and 2 but to me mike they hung in there right they're, they're on the road against baltimore bad weather they only lose by three but I want to start here, and we never do this, start off with a kicker. Justin Tucker, 49-yard field goal. He is the most accurate field goal kicker in NFL history. He has 15 game winners over an eight-year career, and the best part about him is he sings opera. Real sports has that great profile of him. This guy's the greatest kicker ever, arguably, certainly is in terms of accuracy, and he sings opera. Like He's unbelievable. And he's the perfect complement to what the Ravens do. I mean, he's the perfect complement because, you know, even before they became this high-octane offense where they were scoring, I mean, he leaves no stone unturned. He leaves no points out there. He rarely leaves any points out there. And, I mean, that kick today was in horrendous weather. And he made it anyway. And I think, you know, look, this was an advantage for the 49ers. When when the track gets slower, it helps with Lamar get slower. And it helps you there. But make no mistake about it. I mean, I think this game was all about the Ravens' defense as much as anything. I mean, I know they the 49ers had 331 yards, but they were 4 for 12 on third down. Had trouble really executing their offense at times in critical parts of the game. Field position played a big part of this game. But, I mean, look, the Ravens are a complete team. You're going to – I mean, this is a game that was close. Both teams only had eight possessions. How about that? Is that a remarkable? Wow. Team that leads the NFL in time – one and two in time of possession, the Ravens and the 49ers. The 49ers only have the ball 27 minutes in this game, partly because of their third down defense. Well, it was interesting. I'm watching Chris Sims on, on Football Night in America, and he was saying, well, you know, for San Francisco, they were hurt by the bad weather. If it was better weather, they would have played better. Okay, well, who cares? Like, the point is this. Mike Tirico made the better point, which is that, Mike, they could fall from the number one seed. They could actually fall down to number five. Like, Tirico was explaining, because it's 49ers Saints next week, and if they lose that game, and Seattle catches them in the West, well, then all of a sudden, you're a five seed, and then you're definitely going on the road. You could be going on the road to face uh, Green Bay Packers, which could be miserable conditions at Lambeau. So, I don't want to hear, oh, well, San Francisco would have won if the weather was better well the weather was lousy for both teams yeah i i think the weather favored the 49ers because i think it gave them an opportunity to to slow the track down i mean this guy's fast and you got to slow the track down with him right if you're going to play baltimore i think this is what you want you want a slower field you don't want a perfect conditions and, and you know and i mean that the ball's wet it's hard to handle and for him who's you know not the most accurate quarterback at times he's got to handle the ball and he's got to do all those things in this weather I think, it, you know, for holding them to 20 points, I think it really favored them tremendously. And look, I thought the Niners had their opportunities in the game. They just couldn't cash through. You know, they get the turnover. Jimmy gets the ball stripped out of him in the pocket. That hurts them. But they didn't make enough plays either. I thought Baltimore's defense, when they needed to make the plays on third down, did. 
Yeah, a lot of the focus has been on this Niners defense. I saw Pam Oliver did a story about the Niners front, and they got, you know, the nine players on that defensive line, how they rotate them. They're pretty anonymous, aside from Nick Bosa. I think most people know who he is. But you're right, it's Baltimore's defense. They're equally known him. They're the ones that stepped up big time. And, by the way, Lamar, I, I know you're going to be ordering one of his shirts now, right? Nobody cares. Yeah. Work harder. You like that shirt, right? I love that. I mean, I mean, that's exact. And this is why this guy has to be considered the – I mean, because his teammates rally around him. I mean, they really are buying in. This team's taking on a complete new identity. I mean, think about it. I mean, they struggled to beat Arizona earlier in the year. They won. They get Kansas City whoops them. And now all of a sudden they're on this high. And every fourth and one, look, when we go into playoffs, third and one, fourth and one are the most critical plays in the playoffs. That margin, that very thin margin is so small when you get playoff time. And Lamar picks it up like it's no problem. He picks it up like it's no problem. So nice win for the Baltimore Ravens. We shift over to Denver and the Chargers. Mike, I'm watching this game, and I'm going, you got to be kidding me. That's one of the worst pass interference calls I've ever seen. So to those who did not see it, it's Denver and the Chargers, and the Chargers actually take the lead after Badgley hits a long field goal. Denver's got a chance. They throw one out. Let's throw up Hail Mary. And, and, and smart play, right? Throw it deep, but all of a sudden you get some contact. The, I, to me, I was like, how could you call pass interference? The guy clearly just kind of ran into each other. Instead, they get the pass interference call. Brandon McManus from 53 yards out. The Broncos win it 23-20. Drew Locke, the rookie quarterback for Denver, gets the win, the debut win for Denver, a month after Brandon Allen beat Cleveland. So the Broncos, the first team in league history, two quarterbacks start and win their NFL debuts in the same season. But I want to ask you about that call. Did you not think that was a horrendous pass interference call? I thought it was horrendous. I thought that uh, Rip Van Riveron woke up today. I saw him make some calls. I, th I think he's awake. He's alive. We know he's alive now. He's in there. He's woke up. But this game was completely mismanaged by our man, Anthony Lynn. I think this game could get Anthony Lynn fired. You, you know, he's got fourth and inches, right? Fourth and inches. He calls timeout with 19 seconds left to go in the game. He calls timeout. He's got fourth and inches, and he's making this decision. He tries a 46-yard field goal which ties the game up. Now it's 14 seconds left to go. What do you have to do at 14 seconds? You must put the ball in play. Because why? You want to eliminate an offensive play. Remember this. Never look at the clock. Always look at how much time's left. Don't look at it, oh, I got 14 seconds. Think of it in terms of plays. So when you kick off and you put the ball in play and you squib it down there and make them have to return it out, make them have to take it out, they've eliminated a play. You've eliminated right. a play, so it's one less play. And now he's got to throw it down the field. All of a sudden, you get beat. I mean, it's look, Denver's 4-8, and eight, and they easily could be a 6-6 six and six team. They've pissed away too mm -hmm. many games. This is fortunate enough they won them. But this Anthony Lynn, I mean, first of all, I think what we saw today were two careers really going. Phillip Rivers does not look anything like he ever did. I think it's the end of Phillip. And I don't know if it's all Phillip's fault because the offensive line is atrocious. However, that being said... I, you know, I don't know who's going to pay him the $25, $30 million that he's going to expect next year, and it's certainly not going to be the Chargers. They're already releasing a report that if he's playing bad, they're going to bench him. I mean, they're 4-8. and eight. This is a 12-1 team last year. Yeah, you've said all year you've been very um, candid about the fact that the Chargers' offensive line stinks, but I'm with you. I think now it kind of reminds me what you said about Wentz last week. You, you can point to the fact, that, and we'll talk about the Eagles plenty, by the way, <laughs> and the fact they don't have their weapons, but you said, listen, a great quarterback lifts up those around him. So similarly in the case of the Chargers, I'm with you that the O-line is disappointing, but eventually, hey, listen, Rivers, make a play, right? Like Just overcome the fact you are limited by this. You know, Deal with this Achilles heel and find a way, and he hasn't been able to do that so you're right this could and Lynn I mean talk about a coach who does not inspire confidence you, you were talking about this before you know coaches that you say okay that that's worth a win he can manage us into a win he can inspire troops do you have any sense watching Anthony Lynn you know what there's a guy who's going to outsmart the other head coach no way
I mean, think about Anthony Lynn. There's two Anthony Lynns on the same drive. It's fourth and 11, right? It's 2.22 to go the game. He's got two timeouts. If he punts it there, I'm not saying he should have, but if he punts it there, it's 2.19 to go, right? Now he gets the ball, but he calls timeout, calls timeout, and then he's got the two-minute warning. He gets the ball back, right? But if he doesn't get the fourth and 11, he loses the game. He throws a, They throw this ridiculous throw down the field, and Mike Williams makes one of the great one-handed catches I've seen all year and gets it, and so now they got a four, they overcome a fourth and eleven, but yet they don't want to try to fourth and inches. Why not try to win the game? I mean, you're sitting there; it's 19 seconds left to go in the game. You say, "Okay, well, how much more time do you have?" All right, I get that. All right, but now we got to manage the game. We can't lose the game on a penalty, a 37 yard pass interference penalty. We just lost the game. I mean, I'm flying back with you on an airplane. I mean, I'm, he's lucky Al Davis doesn't coach the Chargers. His ass wouldn't be on the plane coming home. <laughs> Uh, on the other side, you've been outspoken about John Elway, how poor he's been in terms of developing a quarterback. Did you see, I know it's only a game, but Drew Locke, can he be the answer? Well, I think this. I think you have to be real careful to, to make any judgments, especially against a team that plays so much cover three zone. You know, it's pretty easy for him to look to. You know, I mean, he's 20, 18 for 28 for 134 in the game. He was he had two touchdown passes. Look, they did nothing. I mean, let's face it. The Broncos didn't win the game. The Chargers lost it. I mean, let's be real honest here. You know, the Broncos are 7-15 on for third down. They had 218 yards in the game and won and won. Think about that. They had 218 yards in the game. They only had the ball 27 minutes, and they won the game. Like this, There's something wrong with your team when you're losing like this. Off a game and you're in Mexico City, you come back, and this is what you come back with? I mean, look, the Chargers are too cheap to fire anybody, but they got to really seriously consider. I mean, they need they need a whole change. They need a change of everything. I mean, you today, I think today, you know, Belichick says that after Thanksgiving, the NFL season starts. True. For some teams. But the new season starts for a lot of teams, you know, and it may be today was one for the Chargers. And as you said, now teams start to evaluate their personnel and say, okay, who could be our next head coach? Are things working out? Carolina may be looking for a new head coach. The Panthers lose the Redskins. Darius Geis at LSU racks up 129, two touchdowns on the ground for the Skins. Adrian Peterson had 99 yards and a score, and they beat the Panthers 29-21. Redskins had 248 yards rushing. They score a season high in points. Think about that. They can't even get to 30 points. A season high for them is 29. But more importantly, Ron Rivera, 5-7, and seven, hot seat or what? Oh, he's done. I mean, I think poor Ron, I think it's over with. There's no way he's coming back. I mean, this is a five and seven team. Five and seven. Haskins throws for a buck forty seven. And you can't beat a rookie quarterback? I mean, you can't beat a rookie quarterback? McCaffrey's now down to fourteen for forty four, right? So he can't get anything going. They had two guys run the ball for over hundred yards. I mean, Geis has one twenty nine, Peterson has ninety nine. I mean, they had two guys run for hundred yards. You lose to the Redskins at home? You think you're coming back? This is another one that's opened. You can count this one, cha-ching, this one's going to open up, and this is probably going to be front office at everybody. I mean, the Redskins dominated this game. How is that possible? Right. You're talking about a team going in, in, in nowhere. Like, you talk about the Redskins, you go, come on. And we were talking before, but for the Panthers, hey, they're big decisions. What's going to happen with Cam Newton? No, no, Cam's staying. It's Riverboat Ron that's leaving. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, everybody else has got a big decision. You know, you start pointing the fingers, everybody else got a big de- decision. I mean, you know, look, they're one-dimensional offensively. They can't do anything, but they can't do anything except give the ball to McCarthy. He's a leading receiver and he's a leading rusher. At some point, you got to develop somebody else within the offense. I mean, Greg Olson is, you know, he's got three targets for 22 yards. You know, you're talking about not a good, and defensively, this was a good matchup for you because where are the Panthers bad? The Panthers are bad in their secondary, right? Quarterbacks have been known to throw the football on them. I mean, they give up 147 today. They sacked Haskins uh, five times 
and they lose because they can't stop the run. You go into a game at home and you can't stop the run, there's something wrong with your football team. So Ron Rivera's in the hot seat. Well, how about the Jacksonville Jaguars? In the offseason, they get Nick Foles. They go, all right, this team's going to turn around. Foles gets hurt. Gardner Minshew's exciting, but he can't lift up the team. And now they lose the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 28-11. to Nick Foles had three giveaways and a half, first time since week one back 2014 with Philadelphia. And the Buccaneers, by the way, overall have three fumble return touchdowns this season. It was bad for Jacksonville. And Doug Marone, who arrived there, Mike, with this feeling of no nonsense, he's going to build up that defense tough, give them an identity. He could be looking for a job now as the Jaguars fall to four and eight. Uh, yeah, I think this is there's going to be a complete change here, too. I don't think it'll be the front office because God knows David Caldwell and the group there, they've done just a tremendous job of, of building talent for the Rams, considering the Rams have all their top five picks, Jalen Ramsey, Blake Bortles, and Dante <laughs> Fowler. I mean, Caldwell's done a wonderful job building a team for them. I mean, like I've been saying all year, Fournette, I mean, this is such a discombobulated football team. they got a shotgun quarterback. they got an eye tailback. They don't have enough skill around them. They think DJ Chark's the number one receiver, right? Foles comes in, and, you know, Foles is 14. Then they hire an offensive coordinator who just wants to throw the ball. He can't ever set up a run. He's never set up a running game before, right? So now they've got no run game. I mean, this was one of the games that I, I, I didn't take it to recommend it. It was the number one game for me based on the model that I've set up with my power rankings. It was the number one game, but I have no faith. No faith. Zero faith. I have less than zero faith in Jameis Winston. So I hate to go down that road because I think once I go there, I mush him. <laughs> but, I mean, it's the reality of it is is, is Jacksonville's got to be looking for a coach. They have to be. The, probably the guy they should hire is Coughlin, who's sitting up there and wants to coach the team. You think this is a talented football team? They're, they're not even close to being talented. Well, and there was that story I read, too. Jay Glazer was saying that there's a, a disharmony or some contentious issues between Tom Coughlin and the coaching staff. So that's to your point, the fact Coughlin's probably saying, hey, you know what? I'm better than these guys. Let's go. No doubt. He's sitting up there and, you know, it's hard for a coach to all of a sudden put just become a general manager. I mean, you know, it goes back to Lombardi when he was the Packers GM. He felt like he was getting in the way of Phil Bankston. They just don't know what to do. You know, and, and Coughlin doesn't, you know, he feels like it's this. he questions this and questions. He's listening to Caldwell. And then we know this, that when they traded Jalen Ramsey, Khan, the owner, Shah Khan said he wasn't going to trade him. And then two days later, they trade him. And Marone's looking around saying, like, what happened? Like, what the fuck just happened here? They're so disorganized. I mean, and, and the question's going to be, like, that's another one that's going to open up. So we got the Redskins that are open up. We got the Panthers that are going to open up. We got Jacksonville that's going to open up. Who's filling these jobs? Who's filling them? And one more job that we think opened up, which is the Green Bay Packers beating the New York Giants 31-13. to I said at the start of the year, Daniel Jones is never going to evaluate the fact he was drafted by the Giants that high. And once again, he's turnover prone. One or more giveaway each of 11 games played this season. One thing you can count on with the Giants here, they're going to turn the ball over. And, and so far, and it's not just Jones' fault, but I'm just telling you, they got two or more giveaways in nine games this season, most of the NFL. They're a sloppy team, and when you're a sloppy team and you're turnover prone, that's a direct reflection of the coach. Shermer knows he's done. The fact that they've been so bad over this season and last season, there's no way Pat Shermer survives in the Meadowlands. I mean, they fired Ben McAdoo. He's 13 and 15. Right. And this guy's 7 and 21 after 28 games. I mean, what are they going to do? They got to fire him. I mean, you can count on this being open. Now, the question is going to be are they going to fire Gettleman? Because this is one of the worst rosters in football. 
I mean, this is one of the worst rosters in football. Look, I've been saying this all along. Nobody wants to hear it. But the Giants can only look at themselves. I mean, they are really stuck in time. At some point, they're going to have to have an intervention. Somebody from the outside is going to, hey, they should hire somebody to come in and say, do an analysis on our company because there's something wrong here. Because we've got too much internal. You know, we're going to promote this guy from within. We're going to promote that guy from within. Your team's horrible. Your team is so bad. They're going to have to now, oh, we'll go try to hire Matt Rule. Okay, you think Matt Rule's going to take this job? He's got 10 wins down at Baylor. I was about to say, great turnaround for Baylor, yeah. He's got 10 wins. He's got Now he's got clout. Now he's got clout. He's going to come in there and take it, and Gettleman's going to tell him who to pick? This is another job that opens up. I mean, they hired they hired Pat Shermer. Pat Shermer's probably a good offensive coordinator at best, but, I mean, we saw Daniel Jones. Do we think Daniel Jones is really good? Do we think he's good? No. I mean, I, I think he's declining every single week. <laughs> think about that. For a rookie quarterback, it's like, no, he looks worse every time I see more of him. Yeah, I mean, some of the interceptions today, and look, I, I, I'll say this about the Packers. They're not very good. I mean, I don't think the Packers are great by any means. I mean, they're not very good at all. I mean, defensively, I think they're good offensively, but they're not great. I mean, I expected that this was one of my plays. I expected it to happen. I thought that they would move the ball. This is a little bit like playing Detroit. Daniel Jones will have a good day, but they can't sustain it. And then you lose 31-13. to It's at home in a bad weather game. Yeah, inexcusable loss to the Giants. So Pat Shermer's in trouble. So there's another right. one. So we got the Giants. We got the Panthers. We got the Redskins. We got Jacksonville. That's five that are going to open up. Well, and the big one we haven't talked about because it was Thanksgiving Day was the Clapper. Jason Garrett, I mean, it was so good. The fact it was Thanksgiving Day, Mike, because there was no other distractions. Like, at that point, people have had their turkey. You know, they're, they're tired of their relatives. Like, Let me just watch some football here. So the entire country could see what a disaster the Cowboys were. Just completely inept. And then Jerry comes out and says he's not going to fire him. And I say, you know what, Jerry, you're right. There's no sense to fire him. Who are you going to make as the head coach? You can't do that right now, right? And, and, the, right. and we'll talk about the Eagles later in the episode. But the reality of it is, what's he going to do? But the one thing he did say is it's pretty clear. He is going to fire him unless he goes and takes him to a Super Bowl. That's, to me, the only chance Jason Garrett has. Jay Glazer had the specific report, Mike. He said, I don't know if you would believe Jay's sources, but Jay said specifically, he not only has to go to the Super Bowl, but win a Super Bowl. Otherwise, he's gone. Yeah, I, I think there's no doubt. I think Jay's dead on. I think that's it. I mean, he's not going to pull the plug on the guy. He re- likes the guy. He respects the guy. But it's time to change. I think the guy they want is – I really think the guy they want is Josh McDaniels because Jerry was just pontificating the love of the Patriots program the other day. He was pontificating how much he loves it. And I think he wants to build the offense around Dak Prescott with the weapons that he has. I think he can be really more effective. And he can utilize his skill because he's got great skill. He just doesn't have great coaching. I mean, we can stop the Kellen Moore head coaching candidate. Maybe he's going to become the next Jacksonville head coach. I saw Jay Glazer had had Mike LaFleur as a head coaching candidate today. Yes. I mean, this is like everybody's on a fucking payroll. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, Virgil Salazzo. I mean, it's like unbelievable. <laughs> the one that I think is, is truly the sexy name, Greg Roman, Ravens offensive coordinator. Right. It's a great name. It's a great name. If, you, if you're going to go get a guy that is like Lamar, are you going to go do that? Because Greg Roman doesn't have a drop-back pass game. I like Greg Roman. I think Greg Roman's done a great job with Lamar. But now take me through Greg Roman being a drop-back pass guy. Does he have that in his arsenal? What's he going to do? Like it's like These are hard jobs to go from an assistant coach running this offense to taking him in. If you told me Don Martindale, yeah, look at Don Martindale. He, you changed the whole defense. You, know, you get rid of C.J. Mosley. You get rid of Suggs. You get rid of Weddle. All of a sudden, the strength of their team – outside of what Lamar does, which is remarkable, is their defense and how their defense has improved this year. To me, that's a head coach. That's a guy that says, okay, he's playing with different guys. 
He's got a bunch of guys that I never heard of. He's picking guys off the street. Josh Byron's he picks off. He gets rid of Kenny Moore. That's the guy. Now, now, there you go. I'm getting somewhere with this. But if you think I'm getting Greg Roman, unless he's bringing Lamar with him, I don't know what I'm going to get. I hope Greg gets one. I like Greg. But I think you got to ask yourself that question. Okay, so here's a couple more names for you before we'll get to more games, including what's happened with the Eagles and the Titans' big win, by the way. What about Cleveland and Detroit? Matt Patricia, I think Freddie Kitchens is in trouble. By the way, the Browns lose to the Steelers. All this talk that this team does, God. How about the Duckster? Can we stand up and applaud for the Duckster? Uh, Devin Hodges, I mean, unbelievable what this guy did. The Duck Dynasty again. These Steelers, man, I I, I don't know. I have to credit Mike Tomlin, right? Because I said, how the hell is this team winning? What did Phil Leotardo say? He's like a cockroach. They won't go away. I mean, they just won't go away, will they? I can't believe the Steelers right now, the number six seed in the AFC. But more to the point, the Browns prove once again they can't beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh. So Freddie Kitchen is going to be out of a job. Baker Mayfield, brutal. And Matt Patricia could be in trouble with the Lions as well. Their defense is awful. I mean, Baker Mayfield threw the ball 32 times today for 196 yards. And my man, the Duckster, threw it 21 times for 212. Think about that. <laughs> the Duckster threw for more yards in this one. You got, I'm telling you, the Duckster gives him some life. James, who I have touted James Washington for three years, he's a really good player. He's a really good player. And he's come to life. And you can see it. I mean, he's come to life and you can see it. But, I mean, I, this whole Mayfield thing, A.D., is just remarkable. He gets so much love and so much publicity, and he can't throw. He's got these great receivers, right? Beckham's got three targets. He averages 9-7 today. I mean, seriously. Well, his offensive line isn't very – he can't see. He, if you rush him a certain way, he can't see. And when teams play him a second time, they have an idea on how to play him. They get a better feel for what they're doing. And then it becomes harder and harder for him. And when you don't – when Chubb and Hunt can't get going, it's a problem. I mean, he's four of twelve on third down today. Four of twelve. The more third downs you put him in, you could, you know, the we got Baker Mayfield. We got, you know, he's got seventy five commercials. Well, okay, you can't go in the playoffs this year, and you ain't gonna go next year either until you get some players, until you fix the line, and you change what you're doing offensively. That's why I think Freddie's in trouble. You know what? You know what? You know what? We should stop doing. Who does Baker want to coach him? No, fuck that. We're going to bring somebody in here that Baker's going to listen to. Like, <laughs> Baker ain't running this team, right? Yeah. You're right. It, it, rather than who can Baker coexist with, it'll be who can turn Baker around, right? Forget about trying to appease him. Yeah, like, hey, Baker, you know, your career is on the fucking downward spiral. We're going to bring somebody in here to change this shit. We're going to bring somebody in here who's going to run play action passes. We're going to toughen this team up. We're going to stop tolerating all this bullshit. And can you imagine Freddie wears a jersey that's saying Pittsburgh started? I mean, that's insulting. Uh, was awful and he was like no one's gonna see it no one's gonna see it are you kidding you went to the movies everyone saw it like what do you what do you knew what do you <laughs> yeah. knew i mean it, it, look first of all you're the browns coach don't be going to no movies right like you know <laughs> like let them bring the movie to you <laughs> yeah, exactly i'll lend you some screeners how do i get on those screeners list you know it's like and how do you play i don't even have a dvd player i can't even play them but i mean like seriously like why would you pet a tiger Right. Like, why would you stir that up? But it goes back to your point about a lack of culture. So he allows these guys to act like divas. He allows these guys to run their mouth because he's of the same ilk, or at the very least, he doesn't think there's anything wrong with it. And then when it blows up in your face, you say, look how stupid you guys look. You were supposed to be 10 and 6. You were supposed to be the darlings of the NFL. Instead, you're a joke. It's really the case. I mean, it really is. It's horrible. I mean, he just... It's so annoying. And then Baker, oh, we got to make Baker happy. we got to make Baker... Hey, how about Baker making us happy for a while? You know, I mean, so he had a big day against Miami's defense on the road. Okay, great. All right, Miami. All right, Miami wasn't great. They got too many skilled players. They couldn't really rush. Okay, great. You need this game. This is the biggest game. Remember this. You evaluate your team by how they play on the road. Don't ever forget that. You evaluate your team by how you play on the road. You know, because the home can lead you down the wrong road. And they can't go in there and make a play. To that end, 
what does it mean about the Eagles when they can't win on the road against the Miami Dolphins? We're going to break down what the hell happened in Philadelphia. Plus, a blocked field goal helps the Titans turn the tables with a win at the Colts. All that more as we continue here on the GM Shuffle. All right, anytime you're on the golf course, you always hear the phrase, hit it long and hit it straight. Well, as somebody who's a novice to the game of golf, a new person, I wanted to make sure I had the best equipment possible. So, as a novice golfer, I went and hit up our friends over at PXG because they have an all-new driver called the Black Ops. I mean, my man Chris over in Henderson has hooked me up with a phenomenal driver that's built to my game. My new game that doesn't really do much of anything on the course, but it has what I need in terms of the club head speed and the kind of grip that I need to go out there and be the best to my ability. I mean, this is music to ears to any golfer, whether you're a novice like myself or if you've been playing the game for decades. The PXG Black Ops driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Op drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. That's just ridiculously high. So what you got to do Go check out the PXG Black Ops Driver. You'll be as impressed with it as I am. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment at pxg.com slash gmshuffle and use code gmshuffle at checkout. That's pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle for free shipping on all equipment, pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle. Again, I don't want to be a dead horse, but we talked about this in the past. Where would the Titans be if they had just decided Ryan Tannehill was the answer rather than Marcus Mariota? I know it's not on the quarterback, Mike, but Tannehill, 17-22, 182 yards, two touchdowns. He sealed the victory, a 40-yard touchdown strike to Raymond, 302 to go, exactly two minutes after Smith had scored. And the Titans win this one. Big block field goal in this one. They're now 7-5, and five, okay? They're ahead of the Colts. They snapped a three-game losing streak against Indianapolis. And now it's Tennessee at 7-5. and five. They're making the push along with the Steelers to make the playoffs. How about that? And look, the Colts still keep it. I mean, I, it's nice. Adam Vinatieri is a nice story. 55 wide right, 53 blocked, 28 made, 46 blocked. I mean, you know, it's not always him, but why is it always happening to him? Right. I guess that's the question. It isn't him, but why is it always happening to him? You know, and, and I think this game, look, the, we, the, here's the problem with the Colts. The Colts are a really good team. They don't have a quarterback. I like Jacoby Brissett. He's a backup. He threw for 319. He had two picks today. But he doesn't have great anticipation. He doesn't have great anticipation with the football. And, unfortunately, he can't make enough explosive plays to kind of make up for that. So there's not enough juice in their offense when they go. You know, they got a first drive of the game, great. And then as the game goes longer and longer, it becomes more problematic to them. And I think that until they address it, until they get there, and I think Frank Wright's a great coach, don't get me wrong, I think eventually they will. The story here is I think what Tannehill's done for this team, Tannehill's made them better because what's Tannehill been able to do? Tannehill's been able to make Derrick Henry better. I mean, Tenry's got 26 carries for 149. He's carrying people down the field. I mean, I'm watching this game. He's carrying guys down the field. Oh, big guy. He was unbelievable. He's so big, they couldn't tackle his big ass. I mean, yeah, they couldn't tackle him. And then they got enough pressure on him as the game went on and on. They got it. I mean, look, I think Tennessee's peaking at the right time. This was my number one play of the day. This was my number one play of the day, and it came right through. It was perfect. I mean, I think they're peaking at the right time. They're hard to play because they're going to beat up on you a little bit. I mean, they sacked Tannehill six times now. I mean, every time I looked up, Tannehill was getting his ass hit. But Tannehill made enough plays, and he made them at a critical time. The throw he makes in the last play of the game, 
the Seals the victory. Great win. I mean, the Colts got 391 of the offense today, and they lose. They only gave up 292, but those missed field goals are turnovers. Nobody wants to acknowledge them. Right, and that's where the frustration becomes because now, think about this. Tennessee is now even that series with Indianapolis, which could play into matters. You know, In terms of the division, how they fare, like if this comes down to same records, Tennessee's going to end up having the edge, which is crazy to think about a couple of weeks ago. It really is. It's crazy to think about. And as we're doing this broadcast here, the Texans – in the South, have just gone up 21 to 3. My man, Will Fuller, who, if you don't stop Will Fuller, you, Will Fuller is really, he makes it all change. Nope, they're not they're going to rule that incomplete. Patriots' offense abysmal tonight. They're really bad. They have no explosiveness at all. They can't separate. And, and you know, everybody's, you know, Brady's bitching at everybody, and it's kind of. He it's, looks pissed. Every time on the sidelines you see him, he's, he's yelling about separation. Yeah, he's yelling about separation. And, and look, their pass offense is reminiscent of back to 2013 when they really couldn't throw the ball. If they don't fix their pass offense soon here, whether it's, you know, getting, I mean, they got Sanu back in the game, but they can't make explosive plays. You know, he's got Edelman wide open down the field, the middle of the field, and he throws it outside. I mean, it, I'll tell you, it doesn't look good. It, it, there's not a good look at all to the Patriots' offense this week against a, a Houston defense, which at times has not been very good. Speak about not looking good. The Philadelphia Eagles, they lose to the oh two-win Miami Dolphins, 37-31. to They pissed away a double-digit lead in the third quarter as Ryan Fitzpatrick looks like Fitz Magic. Now, the, the offense did look good, but I want to just point out this. Eagles have not had a 100-yard rusher in 40 straight games. That's the longest active streak in the NFL. I mention that because we often talk about balance in football, and Miles Sanders, we believe, to be a good back or has the potential to be a good back, but still hasn't got 100 yards yet. And Devontae Parker lights him up. Very smartly Miami says okay Brian Flores says all right so you got Darby who's 5'11 you got another corner who's smaller great I'll keep throwing it to Parker who's 6'3 and make you guys adjust the Eagles defense which has actually been really good the last few weeks dreadful today the secondary takes a big step back inexcusable that Philadelphia loses this game and here's the problem Mike at 5-7 and seven, you go well they're only a game back of the division but you honestly think this team's going to go 4-0 and beat the Cowboys and run the table this is beyond embarrassing you know it's so well said I mean look here's the reality I hate this whole thing I'll put the schedule Let's look at the schedule. If you're not playing good, it doesn't matter who the hell you play. <laughs> exactly. And they're not playing good. Look, they got a double-digit lead, and they've run the ball 19 times in a game. Like, at some point, does somebody realize that they got to run the ball? They beat Buffalo because they, they took the game. They don't have any explosive players. And here's the reality of the game. Nobody in Philadelphia is going to mention this at all. Conditioning. The Eagles were dead. The reason, if you watch the first quarter of that game when the Eagles' pass rush was fresh and healthy, and when those guys got tired, and when they were out of gas, which they got to, all of a sudden, Philadelphia, you got Jalen Mills can't cover anybody. You got Ronald Dar Darby can't cover. You got nobody can cover anybody in the back end. And Parker, seven for 159, just eating you alive because Fitzpatrick is back there. He don't have to worry about it, he's got nothing to worry about. I mean, this is a bad loss organizationally for the, for let's face it, for the Eagles. Eagles have no juice on offense. None. Zero. And I, I love the point you make. They go, wow, but look at their schedule. Like, you're a 5-7 and seven team. What could you possibly think? You're going to just have a magic wand, abracadabra, you go 4-0? Oh? Like, you don't just flip a switch. You're going to go beat San Francisco and New Orleans? Seriously? You think you're going to beat those teams? <laughs> right. I mean, really, you think you're just going to walk in there? Oh, we're the Eagles. We're going to beat right. you. You know, like, oh, we're the Eagles. We're going to beat you. Are you kidding me the way you're playing? You, and, and then the fact is you weren't your conditioning. I mean, you're playing in Miami late in the year. That's where they get you. They like it, it was 83 degrees. It was it wasn't a hot hot day, but it was probably in the 70s. They wilted. When you look at the numbers and you look at the second half of what they did when they come back. I mean, think about this. Here's Miami's second half. 
Miami's second half. Touchdown, 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 field goal, punt. Think about that. That's their second half. Here's their first half. Interception, punt, punt, touchdown, touchdown, end of half. So they went touchdown, touchdown, end of half, touchdown, 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 field goal, punt. Speaking of Miami touchdowns, you ever seen that play in the second quarter? The field goal formation, they get the touchdown. They were they working on that all year. Awesome they practice that every day. Every I mean every um, that, that's a classic Belichickian thing. You see, so that's interesting that you said that. This is one of those, this isn't just oh let's think of this. No, 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 they've been working on this to make sure this is the right time to use it. You don't try trick plays the week of. Oh, let's put a couple trick plays in. You practice them every Friday. Every Friday, they practiced them. They got it in. This is classic Belichickian. The Eagles just wilted. I mean, it was wilted. And they had no idea what was going to happen. Poor uh, Pat McAfee's like, that should have happened when I was there. You know, Pat, remember the Pat McAfee play against the Patriots? I was there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. McAfee's like, that should have happened when I was there. (laughs) Miami, three touchdowns in less than 13 minutes. I think about it. I mean, you're up 28 to 14 and you've only run the ball 19 times and he's averaging almost five yards a carry and his only his longest run was 13 yards meanwhile i i had no when i was doing vison today i said there's no way i mean where how's miami going to move the ball and they can't block them they had miami had 20 carries for 58 yards and one run was a reverse to wilson and that got him 28 yards so 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 they ran a reverse so they've had 19 carries for 30 yards 19 for 30 for the most of the game think about that Premature to say Doug Peterson's in trouble, but another year missing the playoffs and he's in trouble, right? I mean, look, this, this whole this, their team's in trouble. I mean, how good is Wentz? Wentz is ten and thirteen since he's been back healthy. He's three games below five hundred. The best they can hope for is a nine and seven. Ugh. That's the best they can hope for. That's awful. Nine and seven. You know, you're playing a four. You host a playoff game. You'll get a really good fifth seed because one of those teams that doesn't make it, whether it's Seattle, Green the Niners, Bay, whether it's going to be one of those coming in, you're going to have a hard time playing them because you're not playing good. Now, look, they don't have to worry about getting tired because the weather's not going to be that bad. But the problem is, if you can wear them down, like if I'm watching this tape, if I'm the Giants can't do it, the Redskins can't do it. That's who they play. They play the Giants twice and the Redskins, and they play the Cowboys. But if you're playing the Eagles, you play tempo, and you wear them down a little bit, and you make them tired, they can't rush. And once they can't rush, you got them. Definitely a sad state of affairs there for the Eagles. Coming up after the break, we give it our weekly awards. Mike was 33-18-1 against the spread going into week 13. How's he doing now? Stay tuned after the break to find out. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, the second round of the playoffs have been absolutely phenomenal, and if you really like a team, you can bet on them for the futures markets, maybe some conference finals MVPs as the conference finals approach, or how about NBA finals MVP? And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, Mike, you were 33-18-1 going into the break. Free money out there for all the people. How'd you do after this week? Uh, I was 3-1, and one, so that makes me 36-19-1. I'm not really good at percentages, but I, I think that's over. I know I'm over 60% somewhere. That's pretty good. I mean, like I told Pat McAfee on his show this week, is that good? I don't know. Is that good? <laughs> he, you know, he's giving me crap. You know, like he's giving me – what a great guy. Oh, he's I mean, awesome. that guy – that might be the hardest working man in all of television. I mean, he's everywhere. There, there has to be two Pat McAfees. You and I have a lot of jobs. But Pat McAfee does a daily show, which you can hear on Zone. He's also on ESPN on Get Up. He's also does the Thursday night game, uh, college football. He's, and he, he's everywhere. Like I said, he's knowledgeable of all, all things. He's great. No, he's great. And, I mean, he jumped in the river down a baler i mean you guys got balls that's right he was on college game day this afternoon i think he's going to be a regular on college game day it's perfect for him i agree with that kind of energy the crowd it's perfect uh speaking of college who's going to be the first pick in the draft joe burrow i think there's no doubt it's joe burrow i think it's joe burrow and and how about this how about if the giants get the first pick in the draft do they draft joe burrow that'd be amazing they admit daniel jones is a bust we got daniel jones we're going to be fine you know i mean of course, they were fine with Saquon Barkley. They, you know, it's amazing. They're not even getting shit for Saquon Barkley over Lamar Jackson. Right. <laughs> but the one thing I think that's pretty clear, I think that the Bengals today, you know, they got Andy Dalton back in there. It helped them. You know, they dominated the game against the bad Jets. I mean, look, the Jets are the Jets are who they are. They're not great. They're not just going to walk in and just beat everybody, right? Like, it's hard. It's They're not good enough to beat anybody. I mean, so it's like, oh, I'm pissed off at my day. Hey, look, just swallow your pride. They're going to go 5-11, and 6-10. You know, maybe they're 4-12. You know, let's build for something for next year. They're just not any good. I mean, that's the reality of it all. Yeah, and speaking of teams that are not any good, these are the teams that we've eliminated. So, listen, the Giants aren't going to the playoffs, the Jets, the Bears, the Chargers. Now, Tennessee we had before, so we're going to put them back in the mix now. They're yeah, back in. They could actually They're back in the mix. Okay, Miami, Denver, Washington, Atlanta, Cincinnati. Congrats to the Bengals finally getting a win against the Jets. How about the Jets? Arizona, Tampa Bay, Carolina, the Browns, and Detroit. So the only team we're taking out of that mix is Tennessee, which dovetails to our AFC playoff teams that we predict as we see them. I'm with you in all the divisions. New England, Baltimore, KC, and Houston. Wild cards, you're going to go Buffalo, Tennessee. I'll go Buffalo and Pittsburgh. I'm going to ride the Duck Dynasty and Mike Tomlin and the Steelers find a way to get in. I'm telling you something. You know I love the Duckster. I mean, <laughs> yes. I talk about the Duckster with Pat. I mean, he's look, he's good, but i got to get respect to Tennessee. I think Tennessee is really good. I mean, this is a huge win tonight. I, I think it's safe to say Houston's going to win. They're up 23-3 with about two minutes to go in the third quarter. So if they win this, it's a huge win for them. Because t- with Tennessee, I think Indy might be a team you could eliminate and miss in the playoffs. I don't know how they do it. I really don't. Tennessee's playing better than they are. Houston's playing really good right now. You know, and I'm with you, Pittsburgh. Like I just sometimes I just don't know how Pittsburgh can do it. You know, I don't know how they're going to be able to to score and hold up. But for whatever reason it is, they they've been able to play. You know, like the balls it took 
to bench Mason Rudolph and to go to the Duckster, to me, by Tomlin, is incredible. you got to give the guy props. That takes balls. That takes the ability to be confrontational and willing to make a decision. Right. And NFC playoff teams, again, we agree. San Francisco, New Orleans, Minnesota, and Dallas. And then Seattle and Green Bay as wild cards. I might go Green Bay wins the division, and I might even think Seattle could actually challenge the Niners for the division. But you have the Packers as the wild card. The Vikings win the division. You like Minnesota a little bit more. Yeah, I think the one thing I think, we know Dallas or Philly are going to be the four seed. But I don't see the Rams. I mean, I know the Rams had a huge win, and I recommended them for the play today because that was a classic Jared Goff game. Like, everybody's talking about MVP Mitch having a great week against a bad Detroit. There's certain teams when you don't have good pass rush or you can't really – or you could take one rusher out of the game like the Rams took Chandler Jones out of the game. The guys like Goff, they play way better than you think they are, but not worried about getting getting pressure from them against the Cardinals. So he just dominated that. The same thing with Trubisky against the Lions. I mean, what was Matt Patricia doing on Thanksgiving? Like, I mean, why wouldn't he put pressure on? The guy can't handle any pressure. And yet he's sitting back there just playing coverage and letting the guy look like a lost star? I mean, seriously. Well, especially the Lions' pass defense. They're ranked 30th. I mean, there's a reason they are atrocious when it comes to doing anything. He's playing $2 blackjack. Like, why play $2 blackjack? Just go play $25 blackjack. And when you run out of money, you run out of money. You play $2 blackjack, you're going to run out of money. Right? It's just going to take you five hours to run out of money. You know, like, just go play five. You know, that's, to me, I never understood that. Oh, we're just going to milk them till we get in the red zone so you can give up a play in the red zone. I mean, it's ridiculous. So that leads us to our weekly awards here, the Lombardis. On the lamb, you got the Panthers, the Chargers, and the Cleveland Browns. Can we just send the Brownies on the lamb for good? I mean, that's the end of the Browns. I mean, that's the end of it, right? Mm-hmm. So, I, and it really, now what's Jimmy Haslam going to do? Is he going to fire another coach after a year? Because he's going to need to make a change. Is he going to fire the coach? Is he going to let John Dorsey pick his next coach? Is he going to clean up this team? Is he going to clean up his culture? I doubt it. But they're on the lamb for me. I love the Fred Palermo Award. Best game plan going into the week. Uh, he's the best. I saw Fred. I saw uh, He looks good. <laughs> he saw Fred the other day. He looks good, you know? And I mean... <laughs> Look, you got to give the Redskins credit. Bill Callahan, they, they haven't been embarrassed by anybody. He's come in, he's won three games. They're no good, but at least they're not beating themselves. They're not beating themselves, which is critical. That's true. And, I mean, to go down there to Carolina and beat Carolina, I mean, it was a, that was a desperate game. That was a desperate game for, for Carolina, at least to show your owner that you're back. When you know your owner had like an off-the-record, off-the-cuff conversation with a bunch of people, with a bunch of reporters, and he talked about, how much it hurts him when they lose, to lose to that team, to the Redskins. Oh, my God. Which leads us to the KGB Award, the team that got duped this week. The Eagles lose the Dolphins. I mean, look, I think they got duped in the conditioning. I mean, I think they waltzed down there thinking it wasn't going to be hot and humid. I mean, look, that's the only reason they lost. I don't give a shit what anybody tells me. I mean, the Dolphins play good, but the reason Fitzpatrick was able to play good is because they, they were tired of rushing. And they found a matchup. They found a guy that, that they couldn't cover Parker. He's too big for him. Yeah, they made Devontae Parker look like Jerry Rice out there. Uh, why do we win? Why do we lose? So that goes to the Dolphins. They're in better shape. The loss of the Chargers, bad decisions, i.e. Anthony Lynn. I mean, how do you do that? How do you have 19 seconds and lose the game? Seriously, how do you do that? How do you not kick the ball in play to take some of that 19 seconds off? Like, how do you not do that? Well, you're worried about the return? You squib the goddamn thing down there. Eat up as much time as you can. You're going to cover the kick. If you lose on a kickoff return, you don't deserve to win. As Belichick would say, you don't deserve to win anyway. Right. Special teams going to be better than that. If you don't know, now you know. Both the Cowboys and Eagles stink. They do. Just horrible. I mean, really, I mean, the Cowboys don't stink. They're just so poorly managed. 
and they give games away. It's really bad. I mean, they give games away. Yeah, I feel like the Cowboys actually have talent, particularly on offense, whereas the Eagles, they had issues with their secondary, issues with their offensive line. They're never in sync. No, the the Eagles are the Eagles are really overvalued. They're overvalued by their by the perception that they're this. It, def, I've said this for three years now. I've beaten a dead horse. They're a defensive line. That's all they have. And offensively, they have zero skill. And the question that begs to get asked is how if Carson Wentz is a franchise quarterback, why is he ten and thirteen over the last twenty three games? Whose fault is it? And don't give me this bullshit. It's well, Wentz doesn't have good players around him. You know, like Aaron Rodgers. Do you think he has great players around him? I mean, seriously. I mean, like, don't tell me this shit. Like, you know, you draft these receivers. They're not playing for you. Like, Ertz, he had two bad drops today. I mean, look, it is what it is. Right. Aguilar and Jeffrey, those guys aren't scaring anybody. Who is courageous? Who is desperate? Eagles are desperate. The Dolphins were courageous. Yeah, no doubt. I, I mean, give, hey, you got to give Brian Flores credit. Never blinks. Just keeps coaching his team. Keeps doing the things he's got to do. They're not good. He knows they're not good. But they got embarrassed by Cleveland last week, and they come back and beat Philly with a stadium filled with Eagle fans. Yeah, I mean, Daily News, they used to have this show here in Philly. It was called Daily News Live. I think it's now Eagles Outsiders. I mean, my man Ray Dinger must have gone through 17 legal pads. He was writing notes down left and right. It's the best is when he, they come on the air. I love the way. I should have snapped it. I might put the video on, on Twitter. But he's writing notes on his legal pad while they're discussing it, and the two guys are talking. It's like he's just writing notes it's like he's in school. <laughs> Didn't Jimmy Haslam do that all the time? He said he always take notes. Oh, I always would take notes. Hey, what, 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 what does it mean to be a good owner? And he would write it down. Then he asked you the same question two, a week later. Are you asking me if I'm going to change my answer? Uh, by the way, follow us on Instagram. You mentioned Mike mentioned snapping things. You can follow us on Instagram at the GM Shuffle. Uh, lastly, Monday Night Football preview. Another great game for Joe Tess and Booker. You got the 8-3 and three Vikings taking on the 9-2 and two Seahawks. Yeah, I, I mean, look, this is a pick'em game for me in my power rankings. I, I think this. Here's what 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 I would say. I like the Vikings because I do think you can run the ball in Seattle. Seattle's allowed in the last eleven home games almost five yards a carry. You got to be able to run the ball when you go up there. You can't be one dimensional, especially considering how Seattle's rushing the passer. I think Minnesota coming off the bye. Seattle's coming off their bye. That's the perfect time for both teams. I worry about Minnesota's secondary. Xavier Rhodes hasn't covered anybody, so I think that you know. That'll be, I think it'll be a little bit of a high-scoring game, but I do like the Vikings to come in here and control the pace of the game. I just worry about their ability to cover the Seattle receivers. Yeah, it should be interesting, and I just still can't believe Freddie Kitchens wore a shirt we started. I'm just reading the story again now. He says, well, I was covering it up with my jacket, and my daughters wanted me to wear it. I mean, this guy's got to go. I don't care. He's got to go. Why blame your poor daughter? Seriously. <laughs> daughters Why blame your the poor bus. daughters? But listen, before we go, the Irishman, Mike, what'd you think? You know, I thought it was. I thought Pesci was incredible. I thought Pacino was incredible. I love the how they made the characters age without you know made them younger. And it you could tell that somebody right, a guy came it. up to me at the at the money line today and and said he thought it was an hour too long. I thought it was a little too long. I would have preferred they would have done a five part forty five minute and gone down. Like right. the question I have is. Is there some things like that daughter that hated him after he killed Hoffa? Right. She was from the first wife, but she was around the second wife. Like, what happened to the first wife? Like, there's some things that I wasn't sure of, mm -hmm. you know? And and for for I mean I watched him taxi the plane there and taxi the plane back when he went from one city to the next to go kill Hoffa mm -hmm. like what took so long and then the the whole time in the home like I thought that was way too long you know I thought it was too much time I know he's getting older and all that but I thought it was great I thought some of the what I loved the most about it what I loved the most about it was that 
they never told you what to do, but they told you what to do. Mm. You know, like when he's sitting there eating his cornflakes, when Pesci's eating his cornflakes. Pesci engineering. Go, yeah. We're going to go pour hair on today. And you got to, there's a plane. And there was never, we're, you, you go kill Hoffa. There was never any directive. Right. Like I thought it was really well written in the sense there was so much plausible deniability. Al, 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 Oliver North would have been proud. It was perfect. Yeah. Steve Zalian wrote the script, by the way. He wrote Schindler's List. He's a great screenwriter. He's incredible, right? And so I thought that, you know, when, when, when Pesci says we tried to help him as much as we could, but never mentions the name. Right. You know? Yeah, it's like I had to put you into this, right? You understand I had to make I, you – like that was yeah. so smart the way he said that. Because essentially what Pesci's saying is that, listen, we all know how close you are with Jimmy. Like I'm, I'm thinking you might go against me and go with Jimmy. So you're going to do it. Yeah, I saved you. I saved <laughs> right? us. I chose, I chose us over him. That whole sequence at Sheeran's retirement dinner is incredible. First time ever you get Joe Pesci and Al Pacino together where Pacino says, I went to school for five years. Are you kidding me? There's a lack of appreciation. I went to school for five years. I went to prison. For- I didn't even say one name. And now you guys are upset with me. And then you have Pesci to De Niro insinuating, hey, here's this ring. Only three of us have this. I saved you. I took care of you. You're like my son. And then you got De Niro and Pacino, two of the best ever. And Pacino, it's all about pride, right? Hey, this is my union. Wise guys don't run the union. And De Niro's saying, this is it no that's it this is, it is what it is that's it it's done <laughs> Pacino just doesn't want to hear the look at Pacino's face when he goes they wouldn't dare he goes anything funny happens to me they're dead they're gone I've got files <laughs> like, it's so it's good. so good and 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 what I don't want and, and has anybody come out and verified Sheehan's report well that's a great point my brother was texting me he goes you know some people have disputed Sheeran's account if you if you just google I mean it's, it sends you down a rabbit hole for the next two hours but if you google is Frank Sheeran telling the truth you have other wise guys or you know enforcement agencies saying, well, hang on, here's some holes in Frank Sheeran's story. So this, the question of what happened to Hoffa, it's still not totally answered because not everybody buys Frank Sheeran's account. Right. And they did go back to that house. They know where that house was. Yeah. And they went looking for DNA samples at that house and they couldn't find any. That's right. my understanding, correct? Yes. So it's still not, listen, I don't think he's buried under the Meadowlands, but I don't know for sure what happened to Jimmy Hoffa. But I, I, I want to go back to what you mentioned about Pesci, because he's so unlike, what you, we haven't seen Joe Pesci in a movie in 10 years, right? Semi-retirement. And when you saw him in Casino and Goodfellas, he was so volcanic. And here he's so restrained and so thoughtful. And he's cunning. And, and he's Pacino, I mean, cunning. he's... As soon as Pacino shows up as Hoffa, I mean, he's just gangbusters. Like, like Hoffa himself is so over the top. It's a perfect role for Al when he's, uh, you know, screaming and ranting with the crowd. It, it was almost a cross between, remember when he played the gangster in the... Uh, Big in, Boy Caprice, the, Dick Tracy, that's what I said. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I think that's what he was like. I was reminding me. It was like, yeah, I got it. And it was, it was really well done. Especially I thought, that scene where he was yelling at those guys. He was mad at them all, right? You guys are trying to get me killed. Remember De Niro walks out and he goes, are oh, you going to call me those names? That scene, he was totally playing it like his character in Dick Tracy, screaming with the Kennedys. It's so good. I mean, I, look, I thought it was really well written. I thought it was, you know, the, the, the dialogue between it was really, really good. And, and I thought the cinematography was good. Not that I know what oh, that yeah. means, but the set, like, <laughs> I love look, that. You know it. Yeah, like, yeah. I thought the set. Set designs were incredible. Oh, like yeah. I thought they were so good, you know. And the Villa de Roma restaurant in Philadelphia, it was so perfect. Angelo Bruno, who was running the mob when I was a kid growing up. Harvey Keitel was great. When he says to dinner, he goes, You know who runs that place? He goes, I do. He goes, Who? He goes, No, I don't mean I know who does. I mean I do. <laughs> that was great, wasn't it? That was great. <laughs> there was some great even even at the end when the enforcement guys tell De Niro the guy's dead, he goes, Who did it? <laughs> they could know it's from cancer. <laughs> it's so good. It was it was enjoy a little too long. I think what and this is my guess. You know more. I think they went into a 
they went into a period where they they wanted it to be on the silver screen it ended up yes. not being on the silver screen so they just put it on netflix where if it would have been intended for netflix they would have probably done six one 40 minute episodes or 45 minute episodes well it is interesting the backstory to it scorsese originally had a deal with paramount and they said listen it's gonna be very expensive for the de-aging and they were like okay no problem as long as you have pacino de niro pesci and once it got to 100 million they balked and said no and netflix swooped in and told marty whatever you want and he said listen i'm about as pure a filmmaker as it gets you know my dream is to have every film up on the big screen and they said well, we'll worry about that afterwards bottom line here's the money whatever you want you, you get final cut you get whatever budget 159 million dollars three and a half hours okay great and then it was like oh by the way it's going to be on netflix it'll be on some screens like how i saw it, but not for everybody so you're right it's interesting if it was purely a movie a classic studio it might have been two and a half hours and if it was purely a netflix thing it might have been a six-part miniseries yeah, no, no doubt, and, and and I mean, I think that 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 to me, you could have done a lot of trimming with that. I think there's no doubt you could have got your scissors out and done some trimming. There's some things that you really didn't need to know, like when he was driving all those, you know, the to, to Gordon Liddy down there and all that stuff with the guy with the ears. I just don't know how to do a movie for three and a half hours. You know, you got to have an intermission. You got to go pee. You got to get more popcorn. <laughs> I mean, you know, how do you do all that? I I, I don't know. I, I but look, I think it's. I need to watch it again. Yes. And I'll watch and get some of the lines because the line especially was, you know, we tried to save them. Right. We tried. And, you know, it is what it is. I love that. That is what it, that, it, that to me was the best. It, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, and it's a little bit. And, and, and I thought, you know, it was, a, it was really like, uh, you know, it was just so well. It was being told, but you weren't being told. Yeah. And the way that Frank Sheehan understood it was remarkable for a guy who wasn't a made guy. Right. Exactly. It was very simple, right? He, he'd be a great fullback. You know what I mean? Just plug the hole and that's it. Like, yeah, what a team player. He just did it. <laughs> exactly. Don't ask him. A great old lineman. Just don't ask questions. Just plug the hole. That's it. Just block your guy and don't worry about it. Don't ask any questions. Okay. I'll get it done. Uh, for more on the Irishman, you can check out uh, my podcast, Cinephile. I did my review back in October and uh, talked extensively about the film. All right, I'm going to be on assignment for DAZN. I'm actually going to Saudi Arabia for the Joshua Ruiz oh, rematch. Man. I know, Mike. So listen, you're, I, I got a substitute host coming in here, substitute teacher. Don't throw any spitballs at him. You'll be great. Trust It'll be the best uh, shows you would do all year without me. I promise. No, we will miss you tremendously. No, we will miss you tremendously. Saudi Arabia, direct flight? I was about to say. So it's New York to Jeddah, which is 11 and a half hours. There's a layover. Then you go to Riyadh where the fight is. I'm not great on planes, so I don't know how this is going to go, although I'm no match for you. You had that flight to Australia, which was 20 and a half hours. Yeah, I, I, uh, I mean, that was a long one, but you, you, you'll do it. But you, you like movies. You can do it. I watch movies. You can watch enough movies. You can get enough cinephile stuff to go along. And as we sign off tonight, the Patriots, or as my grandson Dominic would say, the Patriots are getting beat 28 to 9. It ain't going to be pretty in New England. <laughs>